Welcome back, listeners, to the Backlog Breakdown. I'm Nate with my co-host, Josh. And today's topic is ROMs and art. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> a little, we're trying to chan- I was trying to channel a little bit of NPR there if people don't like it. Uh, well, I won't do it again. So <laughs> you should have like pushed up your glasses in the middle of it just to <laughs> like just give it that pause extra and like, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, man. So th- this is uh, part two of the emulation is theft discussion. And we've, we've sort of moved We're you know, today we're, we're sort of going to be hitting um, more of like, we're actually, well, we're actually going to be answering the questions that we- Wesley asked. <laughs> um, and uh yeah well we're gonna try to some of those are hard (laughs) no we have all the answers okay so just sit back relax be amazed with our knowledge bombs nice (laughs) um so how are you doing this week josh i'm i'm doing good um man so today is labor day the day of recording um, so I've had off today, which which is nice, but half the house is sick, and so it's been yeah. uh, it's been kind of a yeah yeah just been up and down. My wife has not has not been feeling well today, and then our daughter has well she's cutting some teeth, and so she's been real sniffly mm. and having a hard time sleeping, and so um, so I've had to play. Well, I mean, I am a dad. I was gonna say I had to play <laughs> the dad today, but no, just a, a lot of like. Uh, housework and stuff like that and taking care of kids mm. um so it's been kind of a long day i've i've got my coffee here though so i think i think we'll have a i think we'll have a very fruitful discussion so yeah i'm stoked yeah. man how, how are you well, doing um I, I was well i was telling you earlier mm-hmm. i managed to fall and like lose a bunch of skin on my leg and foot like it's not like terrible or anything but it was like uh, it's kind of weird because, like, I basically have no skin on the bottom of my big toe on one foot, and it's like it's it's all like wrapped up and stuff. But it it was it was unpleasant, and uh, I may have said some things that you know weren't very nice um, <laughs> in the moment. But uh, I you know it, it I my uh, uncle and aunt came in to visit, and we hung out with them, smoked a lot of pipe, um, you know drank some bourbon, had, uh, you know, semi-deep theological conversations. And it's just nice. like, he's, you know, I get, a, like, he's, he's, he's probably, uh, I just enjoy spending a lot of time with my Uncle Barry. Um, it's that friend, I'm grateful for that relationship and that friendship. And uh, so it, it was good. It was good spending time with them. Um, sort awesome. of, yeah. And, and, you know, today was, had today off, so didn't do a whole lot. You know, outside of like, you know, skinning up my knee Ugh. and, you know, jacking my foot up. But, um, yeah, no, doing pretty good. I, uh, you know, in my, my little bit of a weather blurb, I am not oh, impressed yeah? mm-hmm. with uh, the weather lately. Uh, we are like weeks away from autumn. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at this point in time, like uh, it should be like a lot cooler at night, in my opinion. Um. And not as hot during the day, but we're still in like the mid to high 80s with like 70% to 80% humidity. Okay. Um, Yeah. So, 
Yeah, just not a fan. <laughs> but I mean, it's you know, it's been good. Um, just uh, yeah. So I'm good here, man. Um, so let's uh, let's just sort of keep this thing moving, I guess, a little okay. bit. But let's let's sort of break open the backlog report. All right. Shuffle your papers. You know, do whatever you need to do. You know, get the the, the ticker get tape. My report out here. I've got everything I reported on over the past week. <laughs> All so, right. Do you want to go first or do you want me to? Um, well, if I go first, I'm going to talk. So maybe you yeah. should go first. You, you know, you go first, man. Okay. So. All right. Well, here we go. Um, so last week on Strange Journey, um, you know how I said last time is that I was finishing the game up, but I wasn't sure how much more grinding needed to be done. It, it yeah. was. It wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad. It was. It was still. It was still a bit of grinding because I was trying to prepare for the last boss that I said was like super difficult, um, and it was pretty ridiculous. What all? Um, all the stops that they pulled out for that one. Um, but it wasn't too bad in terms of grind. Like because I knew I had to grind, and because the game, um, there are different. It gives you. There are. You're always progressing. That's what I'm trying to say is so that even though I'm trying to hit, you know, I need to gain six levels or whatever. There are always smaller benchmarks that I can hit, whether it's like um, different attribute stuff that you get with your demons and your party or stuff, you know, like, like there are always those little gains that you can get. So it doesn't feel like such a monumentous task. Um, And there are kind of ways around grinding um, sort of like the whole um, if you played old school Pokemon where you didn't experience share. How you could, uh, you know, switch your Pokemon at the very end to have them do the knockout blow and get all the experience. Oh, okay. You you can sort of do that with this game because the main character is who who you're really concerned with gaining levels because that sets the level cap for the rest of your demons. So, like, you can have demons in your party and then just get them all out of there and hit the final blow with just your main character and he gets all the experience. So there are things you can do like that that I did in order to to grind pretty easily. Anyways, um, so I did finish that game. Uh, it wasn't too hard. It probably only took like five times to beat the main boss. For the, okay. So it wasn't, it wasn't as bad as I was expecting, um, but I was able to get some pretty crazy, some pretty crazy end of game demons that they hinted at throughout the story so i didn't have to go to a guide to put together Mm -hmm. a team or anything like that i did it by myself pulled pulled myself up on my bootstraps um there you go but american individualism exactly at its finest (laughs) (laughs) for a japanese role-playing game um but yeah so so overall um i was thinking about you know i posted a little mini review in the group um, and it's hard for me to actually recommend the game, which is kind of funny. Um, I really enjoyed it, but mm-hmm. it is not, I would not recommend it as like your first foray into the series um, because of how punishing that it can be. Um, so, so it really depends. Are you, ha- have you played Shin Megami Tensei before and did you enjoy it? Cause then I think you'll enjoy the game. Although I, I did read about the differences in the remake for 3DS that um, kind of upset me just a little bit because I'm like, 
those changes would have made this game way easier. <laughs> okay. Like, um, there are certain things that you can equip on your character that take up slots, you know, like things like little apps that you can buy for your main character's thing. And you only have a certain amount of slots. Well, apparently they did away with the slots. So it's like any apps that you buy are just automatically equipped. So you can have unlimited. And I'm like, that would have made things a lot easier if I didn't have to do stuff. Anyways. Um, and then the story content stuff, cause I did look into the other endings after I beat it. Cause there were multiple endings and um, the story content stuff that they added for the new version, the remake, or the remaster, whatever, um, it's actually some pretty interesting stuff. So I would recommend that if you don't already own the DS original. But um, yeah, okay. so that's, that's it. That's it, guys. I'm not going to talk about Strange Journey anymore. <laughs> You've got your like total of two hours of my thoughts on the game uh, altogether. So um, coming up next... I, I put out the poll last week of my mm-hmm. games of shame. And unless there's like some crazy magical coup that happens in the next few hours before tomorrow, um, it looks like Earthbound is going to win that. So that, that is, is not Shadow of the Colossus. It's not. I don't know why so many people voted wrong. Well, you know. <laughs> I, was, I was really surprised when I first put the poll out there that Ori was winning. Ori in the Blind Forest. And I've heard it's a good game. Don't get me wrong. But, like, the the games that I put up were games that I've heard are like, oh, you have to play. Like, this is one of the best games ever created, hence Shadow of the Colossus, you know? Uh, and, and, I mean, even Earthbound, you know? I've heard tons of said Bioshock is on there, which didn't receive a single vote. So I'm actually really surprised at the way that people voted. Um, uh, I, I mean, I'm happy to jump into another huge JRPG. Why not? Let's do it. Let's go for it. Um, Yay! <laughs> but um, but yeah, so so that was that was kind of surprising. But that's what I'm doing now. I just have to decide whether or not I'm going to continue my save file from last time, um, or if I'm just going to start over and get the full experience. So I'm 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 kicking that around as to what I'm actually going to do. Um, but so the the report for this past week is uh finished up uh strange journey and i have been a i was telling nate before the start of the podcast is that i probably shouldn't host this episode (laughs) (laughs) because i am the spokesperson for a uh for poor backlog management at this time um simply because i have been playing a game that i just bought over the, the since the last episode um, so Hollow Knight went on sale mm-hmm. on Nintendo Switch because of the new DLC. Th- this is awesome. How cool is it that a game celebrates, hey, we got new free DLC, so let's lower the price of our game. Like, that's that's pretty awesome. That's a, that's a, that's a pretty savvy move, in my opinion. Yeah, well, it got me. <laughs> <laughs> also, I hadn't, looked, I hadn't looked into this game that much, but I, it was kind of on my radar. Um, but when I found it, I mean, it's normally 15 bucks and the game is like over 20 hours of content. Um, mm-hmm. So it's already a good deal, but they knocked it down to below 10. And so I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm going to pick that up on Nintendo Switch. And then we were texting when I picked it up. And uh, <laughs> and I said, I said to you that I really don't need to be buying this game right now. 
because I know what's going to happen. It's going to be, because um, earlier this year, I played through Dark Souls 2. And towards the end of that game, Humble Bundle came out with a, a monthly bundle that had Dark Souls 3 um, along with other games for 12 bucks on PC. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll pick it up. That's a great price. I'll pick it up and, and it'll sit on my Steam catalog for a while until I want to try it out. Because I was still playing Dark Souls 2 at the time. And so I got towards the end of Dark Souls 2 and I'm like, I'll just try out a little bit of Dark Souls 3. See how it, see how it plays. And, and ended up... Boop, down the rabbit hole you go. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, 45 hours later, I'm like, hey, I just finished <laughs> both Dark Souls 2 and 3. Um, and so as I was looking into Hollow Knight, I was just like, I really don't need this right now because this is exactly what's going to happen. I'm going to like, huh, I wonder if I, I wonder how good this game is. Is it actually going to be as, as good as it looks? And then I watched some reviews on YouTube and I'm like, dang, this game looks awesome. And, um, so I've put in 20 hours into the game so far. (laughs) I'm uh, towards the very end of the game, at least it, from what it feels like. Um, we were talking, I don't know what the DLC adds to the game or what's going on, but um, I do feel pretty powerful and like I'm able to traverse between the worlds um, pretty easily. Um, and it, this game is just firing on all cylinders for what I wanted. Um, you know, after Strange Journey, playing a huge JRPG. It's like an action title is is exactly what I needed, and this mm-hmm. game just does it so well. And also, you know, I love Dark Souls. I feel like this game gets a lot. For, I mean, you marry S- Super Metroid and Dark Souls, out comes Hollow Knight, and uh, man, so so I have made some some not very good decisions over the past <laughs> week and a half. Um, and, and here's where it comes from: is that so I, when I need to do schoolwork, I have to set aside time to do schoolwork because if, you know, the kids are running around and stuff, I can't like stop and spend 15 minutes on school and then get back to whatever I was doing, you know? Like yeah. I, it takes me a while to, to kind of get in the mindset of like, okay, here's, because it takes me a while to write and I have to write a lot of papers. Excuse me. And so, um, so when I have a free like 15 minutes, I'm not really going to spend that on school. I have to set aside that time. So what ends up happening is like, oh, I have a free 15 minutes, so I'll go ahead and turn the game on, see what I can do, because I have 15 minutes. And then like an hour later, I'm like, no, 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 mm. just this last part. No, 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 there's this bossy, oh, there's this open, there's this open area over here. I just want to go explore, see what I get. And, yeah. uh, and then it's like 1.30 in the morning, and I'm like, what have I done with my life? <laughs> um, so, so that has caused, yeah, some, some late nights. And uh, some early mornings for school. So it has, um, I say this as a way of, of confessing that I have not been very good at time management this past week. Um, I, I've been able to get priorities done, but uh, th- th- I'll just say I'm drinking coffee right now because <laughs> I had to stay up pretty late last night to finish up my schoolwork, so. Well, I mean, you know, we we did say we wanted to talk about like our victories and our shortcomings, you know, yeah. and, and our failures. So, you know, and th- there were things, you know, at least you got the stuff done that you needed to get done. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I ha- I had to buckle down and like fi- when I realized what was happening because it was again, I I don't mean to 
Uh, I don't mean to like give myself leeway, but when I when I actually realize it's like, oh, this is how it gets me is I say in my mind, okay, I've got 20 minutes. And then 45 minutes later, I'm like, oh, it's been that long. Like it just, it's a time sink that I don't realize. And so once yeah. I kind of notice that, then it's like, okay, I have to, no matter how much free time I have, if it's like just a little chunk, I, I have to say I'm not going to even pick up the game because yeah. I'm going to get hooked. Um, and so that, that helped over the weekend to just like bang out all my schoolwork and get it done. So there you go. So, uh, how about, uh, did you pick up the, the new book for the, the reading club yet? Uh, so it is, I, I did, I have not, I have not opened it yet, um, for reasons, um, (laughs) (laughs) that I have just explained. Um, no, it was actually at my library. Um, there's a digital version, an ebook. So okay. I have it sitting on my account. I just haven't opened it and started it yet. Okay. I I need to um I need to order well, I'm probably just gonna pick it up through Kindle, but I need to get it. Yeah. I also I just I still need to finish how, how we should how should we then live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um yeah, I'm about halfway through on that, but um how's your memorization going? Um, not too good. Uh, yeah. I feel like a broken record at this point where I'm like, I've got it. I can do this. And then it's like two verses later. Um, so it's, it's the same deal, like slow and steady progress, but Mm -hmm. just very little progress kind of, kind of for the same reasons. It's just focusing on, on the, um, I get caught up with the words a lot. Because sometimes, mm-hmm. sometimes a memorization after after I think that I have it, it's like I go back and I'm like, no, some of those words are different um, than than what is there, but it's the same sort of idea, and so it's going back over that and solidifying like the old verses that I thought I had memorized, and and then like going down the rabbit hole of like what are the differences between these words and like ways that I can memorize it like that. So, um. Uh, yeah, it's just not making progress as quickly as I would like. No, I mean, and that's, you know, I, I, I sort of wrote a little bit of a note, but that's been the same thing with uh, Galatians. Like, I got the first chapter down and, and, nice. and, you know, but I really haven't been able to, like, really push much, much, uh, mush mouth. <laughs> um, but I haven't really been able to push much past that um, because I just feel like, Every time I start to make strides forward, I go back and I, because you really do want to lock down like everything you've, you've memorized prior to that. But, um, yeah, it just feels like I go back and I like do a review and I'm like, and you know, I'll say it like, I'll say it in my head or I'll, I'll say it out loud and then I'll go back and like read through it or something. And I'm like, no, like this is right here. Or like when I stumble over a word or whatever, and I'm like, uh, so that's, I, I've noticed like the more that I sort of add to that, the more. I really do have to like carve out a chunk of time. Like, you know, the first mm-hmm. chapter yeah. I could like bang it out in like 15 minutes, you know, a day. Mm-hmm. And now it's saying like, no, I probably need to just say like, here's a half hour and just, you know, um, so I, I'm going to like going forward. I think I'm just going to try to be a little more intentional with that. But I mean, you know, the, I think the, the, the idea of like slow and steady progress is better than no progress at all. So. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, man. Uh, do you so, have anything else? To, I think I think know? that's all to report on this week. <laughs> Half okay. an hour later, 
Well, how about you, dude? What what have, um, you, what have you got? Well, so after I finished up Battle Chasers, I threw up a little bit of a poll, and I called it the one versus the many. And mm-hmm. the one was Hollow Knight, and the many <laughs> was a bunch of other games, uh, Fez and and uh, like the the Metroid Samus Returns and a couple others. It's sort of like mm-hmm. equi- like I was looking at sort of time to beat stuff, and I was saying these are about the same hours equivalent, you know. Uh, and uh, so I, I threw out a poll, and and everybody pretty much Hollow Knight pretty much won, mm-hmm. and that was okay because you know I I was like okay, well I I bought well, I bought it pretty pretty early on, like when it was I think like the day it came out on Switch, I bought it. Okay. Um, so I was like, I was super into that. Um, and I just had been meaning to get around to it. So maybe at some point in time, uh, if I can get caught up and we could, you know, we could actually just talk about Hollow Knight, you know, because I'm really enjoying the aesthetic of that game. Yeah. The music's really good. Uh, I'm not nearly as far into it as you are. Um, Which is but, probably a good thing. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I did. I did sort of like multitask. Uh, one of the games that I had sort of thrown in among what I called the many was this game called Never Alone. It was this sort of weird indie art style style game, and it's mm-hmm. uh, based on like an Inuit story or folktale. And it's like the time to to play was like three hours. Nice, like to beat it. And so I went through and I did that, and it was like it it was enjoyable. It was it was it was cute. Um, I think the game, I think they wanted you to play it co-op. And I okay. mean, they, they put in a mechanic where you can sort of switch between the two different characters. And uh, there were just some some of the mechanics I thought were a little clunky and uh, just not. I was like, why? Why would you assign this function? Like, so at one point in time, I, I, you know, and it, you don't fight any enemies or anything, really. A lot of it is just sort of traversal. And you get these bolas that you can knock down um, barriers with, like like chunks of ice will be a certain color, and you can throw the bolas at them, and it'll knock down the chunk of ice, and then you can keep going. And uh, the, just the way they and there was there were a couple times where like you're you're being chased, or you have to sort of run through the level, and you have to hit the bolas, and they assigned it to the function down to the the right thumbstick. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to like hold the thumbstick in the opposite direction that you want to like, and so you aim sort of like backwards, and you can hurt. Hmm. You can sort of it's kind of weird, and then you have to flick the stick towards whatever you're throwing at. It's it's just like a, a goofy use of the mechanic. Um, that I, that was probably like my biggest gripe. Other than that, the game wasn't super hard. It was it was interesting. You know, it's sort of a they actually tie like these little short video segments called insights and when you find certain collectibles throughout the game and there's like 15 or uh, 24 of them maybe i don't know okay. but when you find these it opens up new insights and it's just like little stories about like inuit culture and stuff um mm-hmm. it, it was neat uh not it just felt weird it, it not really a game i could recommend i mean if you're looking for something kind of whatever uh it's it's interesting but it's not it wasn't it wasn't super fun, which okay. is like it was interesting and it wasn't bad, but it also a lot of times it was just like this game is short and I want to beat it and that's it. And it's kind of like I've had it for a while. I've been meaning to get around to it. 
Um, there's there's DLC that at some point I'll pick up. Um, but we also, oh, okay. uh, sort of moving on, uh, Wesley threw out a poll in, in the book club about the back, hashtag Backlogbusters. Yes. And Legend of Zelda so, uh, 2, The Adventures of Link, or whatever all that is. Um, if I got it wrong, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, my, my brain is old. I am old and my brain is feeble. Um, <laughs> but so I had, I had like a few bucks. And it's like five bucks on the uh, virtual console store. So I picked it up nice. for my 3DS. And I've sort of been tooling around with that. And, uh, I've, you know, I've got like an hour or two into that. And uh, I don't know how I feel about it. There's like some okay. interesting, you know, at some point in time, like when, when I'm done with it, you know, um, I think I think I'm going to actually sort of like focus in on it for a little bit. But when I'm done with it, like I'm going to have some feelings because it's like I like some of what it does. And there's some stuff in there. So like the lives mechanic. Mm hmm. How like you get like three lives and if you die in a level, like you basically drop all of your experience and you respawn uh. at the temple and stuff. And it's, so it's like very sort of it's interesting and uh, I have kind of like mixed feelings on it, but it's it's kind of a neat um, it's it's kind of neat to go back because I never beat it. I, I played it okay. a little bit when I was younger. I think I got frustrated pretty early on and just. <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's interesting. Um, I've been I've been going through the uh, Westminster Confession of Faith, and I've been mm -hmm. using that to do a devotion, and so that's been that's been kind of cool. Um, I'm just trying to I've I've gone through a couple of the paragraphs in chapter five, um, and then as far as my reading stuff goes, uh, like I said, I'm about halfway through. How sh how should we then live? And uh, I'm I'm still working on good and angry, and uh, I'm I'm at a point where I actually read a couple chapters of How Should We Then Live the other day, like, and I sat down, and it's that book is interesting, and I think it, it's some of some of what I was reading will probably sort of work its way into you know our topic today as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, it's it's just it's it's a really interesting piece of work. It's kind of I understand why it's set up the way it is and why it's written the way it is, but uh, some of the, the the historical analysis and historical sort of like recap stuff is a little dry and um, mm. not exactly my wheelhouse. But uh, I, you know, it's um, it's it's definitely like a worthwhile read. So, mm -hmm. and at that point in time, just so everybody does know, I I did adjust my glasses <laughs> today. <laughs> I it's look, a bit pretentious, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a, you know, yeah, you can't, you can't hear the pretentiousness, but oh man, I just, I dialed it up a little bit. Um, so yeah, that's, and, and I, like I said, I, I still need to pick up a power up book, but, um, okay. Sweet. So, well, I, I do plan on, uh, on starting in on Zelda two also as well. Okay. So, so yeah, the game of shame. Uh, gonna hit up Earthbound and then Zelda two, but because I'm at the end of Hollow Knight, I'm gonna finish it up first. Um, thing with Hollow Knight two, if you don't mind me talking about it for just a second, yeah, is is that you do gradually get different powers, you know, like a like Super Metroid. Um, to where uh, I noticed probably about like halfway through to where I am now that if I were to stop playing, it would be more difficult to get back in. 
just because like I'm jumping around and double jumping and dashing and, you know, like doing these different maneuvers because I've gotten used to it playing the game, if that makes sense. So, and so to separate from that would sort of, yeah, that would be, yeah, that would handicap you pretty, right. Pretty harsh. Especially yeah, yeah, yeah. if it were, because I booted up uh Zelda two, I say booted up. Um, I pulled out my NES from the garage um and fancy yeah and uh like just hit start on zelda 2 and i was like i I was actually amazed at how good the crt tv looks it's like this tiny little thing but i'm like dang the colors look really like it just this is a really cool experience i'm gonna get into this later so i was really just testing it to see if the cartridge would work if all the original hardware would work um uh, so I do plan it. So anyways, Oh, that's what I was saying is that especially if I jump into that, which is a t- another 2d game, side scrolling mm-hmm. kind oh, that, that sort of game, like that cross cross crossing the streams. Yeah, of, yeah. Yeah. It would, it would throw me cause it's a lot slower. Zelda two, um, hollow Knight can get kind of frantic at times. Um, so anyways, I am going to finish that up, but then yeah, I do plan on hitting up Zelda two and earthbound. I figure those are, t- uh, those are different enough that I can kind of play him concurrently and not, not, uh, you said it crosses streams. They, they can be on their <laughs> own parallel path. Well, that's a little bit of a Ghostbusters reference. Oh yeah. And, you know, just in case, you know, you can't cross the streams. <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, there's more that could be said about that, but I probably shouldn't put it on the podcast. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, it, it appeals to me because I'm a juvenile. Um, <laughs> um, one of the things, too, and I, I just sort of wanted to throw this out there. We actually had the opportunity to show up on Paul's podcast, mm-hmm. um, the Retro Zoo Super Show. And uh, all, all I can say is uh, that was way more fun, um, <laughs> like going in there and just, you know, playing Wreck-It Ralph. Um, <laughs> no kidding. Wreck-It. <laughs> um, but no, that was I, I really enjoyed that. And I just yeah. want to give a shout out to Paul and say. Uh, at some point in time, dude, we're definitely going to have you on here. Sure. Um, so For sure. Yeah. It was, it was a great time. I think I said like two sentences of, of like serious dialogue and the rest of the time <laughs> I was just like throwing curveballs and making jokes. And so I, I derailed us pretty hard. I'm sure I won't be back, but it was, no, fun. You, no, it we, was fun. we, we both were just really and and the the fun part about it was like so we were doing it all on Skype and watching Paul just like stop and have to laugh because <laughs> we were just like being clowns um making but, like and, dumb like niche references to old video games cuz we all like old video games you know um yeah yeah like like my final fantasy joke it's like you wouldn't get it if you don't know you know so. <laughs> Fun. No, that that was a lot of fun, and just went like I said, just want to give him a bit of a shout out and say, Paul, uh, thanks for thanks for throwing it out there, and we will definitely return the favor here. Uh, maybe maybe we'll we'll drag him and Wesley. Uh, you hear that? If you're listening, Wesley, you know I hope your ears perked up. Uh, maybe we'll see if we can get those two on for uh, finishing up Legend of Zelda two at the end of September. I love it. So, um. So our actual topic, like I, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, is uh, art and emulation is sort of revolve. We're going to be revolving a little bit around uh, games preservation stuff. Um, I'm not going to get 
I have like a whole bunch of like links and recommendations that I'm going to sort of briefly go over um, at the end of the show. But it's like I'm just going to sort of skim through some of that stuff. But uh, I want to sort of talk about the art side of things first in this and then sort of talk about some of the different technical challenges in sort of emulation and preservation. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Uh, so the first question, yeah, and, and we're just going to, I think, you know, if, if, if you're cool with that, I think where we're going to start is with, uh, the actual questions and, and I've got sort of a truncated version of these questions that Wesley, you know, posted in the original book club post. Um, so the first question he asked is, should art be preserved? Um, the second, and I'll just sort of run through these real quick. He says, does God care about artistic expressions, you know, like the video, like video games or in in the video game medium? Um, He also asked, uh, what about dubious means of preservation? Uh, And um, then he sort of the fourth question, which is sort of a two parter um, is what is the standard? And if there is a standard, how can we apply that? And so sort of. Partially what he was asking is, should every game be saved? Should every game be considered as art? Um, and so we'll sort of we'll work our way, way through these. And, and again, we're sort of, you know, we're, we, we laid out a lot of groundwork in the last episode, you know, sort of. So if you haven't listened to it recently, you may want to go back and sort of go through some of that stuff, especially... I don't have like minute marks or anything because I'm just not that prepared. So you'll just have to listen to the whole thing again. It's not going to hurt you. Well, uh, you know, that's a couple hours you might not get back. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> again, we, we, we say this often. Brevity is not our thing. We just, we just don't do it. Just listen at two times speed and you'll be fine. Yeah. And when you hit the, the, the parts that you need to slow down, eh, you, know, you can put it ha- at half and we'll go from sounding like, you know, all hyped up to like half inebriated. Um, <laughs> it's super fun to do that. Um, so should art be preserved? Mm. And um, there's some sort of implications inherent in this question, but um, I actually have a little bit of scripture and I forgot to throw that up in the notes, but oh, nice. Um, and it, it's sort of, and I think sort of, we can look at the first two questions too. Um, in this, but so I'm going to sort of look at them together. Um, and before, oh geez, before we even get to that point, I'm sorry, I keep kind of jumping around here, but I wanted to sort of say one of the things I think we also need to look at is, you know, art is sort of this transcendent expression. You know, it's trying to capture and convey certain emotion, a universal truth, et cetera, you know, and again, sort of talked about in the last episode. But part of the thing is that a lot of times, you know, in the moment of of that sort of the publication or the creation of that piece of art, it's really hard to uh, quantify or qualify it as art. It's, mm-hmm. it, you know, the metrics don't exist. And a lot of times, though, that, that qualification only really happens post the, you know, the death of the creator or much later on in the creator's career. And it's sort of one of those things is like, it's almost like, does this thing part, part of the qualification for this is does this thing withstand the test of time? And that 
you know, sort of becomes like the 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 mark of like whether this is art or you know, sort of you know, dipping into the transcendent expression, etc. So yeah. um, a lot of the time, we only really know what what's art after the fact, mm-hmm. um, and sort of once the moment's passed. Um, yeah. Well, and it's like you said on the last episode is that art is often subjective. Mm-hmm. You know, that for some people, I mean, I, I think uh, not to not, sorry, I, I'm going to preface what I'm going to say. I don't even have to do that. Um, but I, I don't mean this exactly. Yeah. I don't mean this as like a counterpoint, but just that sometimes art be, using the definition of something that's transcendent. Sometimes art um, can like, sometimes you can see something and know that it's artwork or, or that it mm-hmm. that it affected you in a certain way. So that, so you don't necessarily need um, that time away from it to really, to see that. But, like what you're saying is, does it stand the test of time? Is it, is it kind of a, um, was that just the, the, um, the recipient's point of view that, or their perspective? Is that really what, you know, the author had intended and things like that? I mean, there, there are questions like that, certainly that, that are also part of the question as well. Um, so, but all that to say is that it can be subjective. Like you had mentioned last week, Mm-hmm. And it often is subjective. Um, it's hard to say, uh, to put a, a hard line on what is and isn't art um, because everyone is different <laughs> and some people are, are moved by different things. So anyways. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, and I think that that's, you know, yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up that, because I think that's not really a counterpoint, but it is, you know, part of it that we, you know, you need to sort of be aware of that stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that it is like, it's sort of a, a subjective attempt to express some, an objective transcendent truth. I don't know. Dang. Like, it's, it's that was sticky. Good. You know, yeah, yeah. That was probably, good. I probably just strung a lot of words together and tried to sound <laughs> smart there. Well, <laughs> it affected me, sir. <laughs> <laughs> um, that in that particular you know um context um but so now i I, like i said i do sort of want to like crack open a little bit of scripture here it's you know um and it's we're going old testament and i i want to be careful that i'm not eisegeting this text um but i want to bring up uh it, it basically all the references i really have come from Exodus and some of one of my favorite phrases comes from this passage, but there's a, in the creation of the tabernacle and the priestly robes and all of that, God specifically names two dudes. Um, and their names are really weird, but I'm going to say it's <laughs> Bezalel and a holy, Oh, holy ab. And uh, dude, that guy's got a mouthful of it. <laughs> um, but, and I didn't, I should have, well, you know, I, I have my phone right here and I, I think I'm just going to, I'm going to read a couple passages and I think, um, so we'll start out and I'll read, uh, Exodus 28 verses two and three, because I wanted to hit on both of those a little bit. And, and, a, and again, I don't think that you can draw out these super tense principles here. So I don't want anybody to think like I'm trying to like apply some sort of super spiritual truth. Um, I'm just doing my best not to just jack this up, but, uh, Exodus 28 verses two and three, 
and you shall make holy garments for Aaron your brother, for glory and for beauty. And then verse 3 says, You shall speak to all the skillful whom I have filled with the spirit of skill, that they may make Aaron's garment to consecrate him for my priesthood. So the, the, the phrase, there's, there's two phrases in there, for glory and for beauty. So, you know, we can sort of like, you know, what is art um, or what is the purpose of art for glory and for beauty? I think is, is you can say biblically, those are two things that art exists for. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, we also see that like uh, that God, uh, you know, and it, when he says, you shall speak to all the skillful whom I have filled with the spirit of skill, that God distributes skill. He distributes, um, you, you know, artistic ability, the ability to write well or sing or, you know, those gifts are from him. Um, and just sort of, and just as sort of a side note, and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure this was from uh, Jamie Smith's book, um, You Are What You Love. Mm-hmm. Uh, where he talks about like, and and I could be, I could be wrong here because my brain again I'm I'm <laughs> not as young as I used to be my brain sort of is feeble, uh, but he talks about a lot of times that we they're very gift I think this is anyways there was something that I read at one point in time where it talks about somebody whoever this was and I'll figure it out at some point in time but they said that a lot of times God gifts the unbeliever with amazing intellect or god gifts and so like you know even these these men who aren't necessarily worshiping the god of the universe oftentimes he will assign skill to them and they will be able to express you know beauty to to the glory of god whether they are worshiping him or not and so it's just something there Mm -hmm. um that i think is sort of you know these are things that i want to keep in mind as we sort of move on to this discussion and then exodus 35 and again like you know uh i'm not saying these are like this is you can't drill think you can't draw one for one principles from this stuff but i think there's some basic like sort of things that we can infer from this so uh it's verses 30 through 35 from exodus chapter 35 it says then moses said to the people of israel See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship to devise artistic designs to work in gold and silver and bronze, in cutting stones for setting and in carving wood for work in every skill craft. And he has inspired him to teach both him and Oholiab, the son of Ahasimach of the tribe of Dan. He has filled him with skill to do every sort of work done by an engraver or by a designer or by an embroiderer in blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twisted linen or by a weaver, by any sort of workman or skilled designer. And again, that's it's sort of examining this idea that like God gave these men skill. God is the giver of good of, of all good gifts. And so, our, you know, the ability to ex- ex- express art whether it's through paint, music, literature, and even through game design, I think that God is the author of those things. And, um, and so 
should art be preserved okay um and well and i guess this directly sort of addresses the second question is does god does god care about artistic expressions in the video game medium i'd say yes mm-hmm. and i'd say um because he cares about all of his creation especially the aspects of creation that reflect glory and beauty um which video games as artistic expressions can point to god that you can mm-hmm. find the truths of the the narrative of the scripture in games um and so sort of answering the first question secondly in that respect those games especially those expressions that really uh I'm sort of looking for a word here that and I but the the games that are that we can look at and say no this is really good this there are truths that this game communicates there's beauty here that's being expressed this isn't just mere entertainment this isn't just sort of mere stimulation there's something a little deeper here and and I'm not saying that every video game is that way but I'm saying when we do run into that stuff yeah obviously that stuff should be preserved and um you know so that that's sort of you know where i'm i'm coming from when it comes with those two questions and just because we we don't want to be like foolish and we want to be good stewards and we want to be wise we need to be his aware of of the the historicity of of things Mm -hmm. so we need to be aware of like what's come on before us and it's like I wouldn't say that you need to have like every game ever like log, you know, preserved or whatever. But I, I think they're like, especially um, in the case of, of like extreme milestones um, and, and, as, and, and that's, be, and I, I would call that like high stone, like high points. So the, the, the masses, the, oh, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> man, I'm, I, I sound smart for about 30 seconds and then my mouth goes, boom. Um, <laughs> But the, 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 the sort of the phenomena, the phenomenal successes, and then some of those like just absolutely abysmal failures. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually thinking of like E.T. Okay. <laughs> and uh, just how awful that mm-hmm. game was. And then, but like, and then just sort of like the idea that like, you know, they dug a giant hole in a desert <laughs> and then dump all the cartridges. Like there's something in that that's it's sort of like almost like a precautionary tale sort of there. Uh-huh. It's like um, that I think is, but like I think like some of those notes in those moments, especially in sort of like um, that that historical content. Yeah, we absolutely should be preserving some of that stuff, um, if if only for the fact that just learn from our mistakes at times. Yeah, yeah, totally. Man, oh man. That's a, that's a lot to, to go through. Um, and those are some really good thoughts. I like it a lot. Um, so one of the, one of the ways that I come about that, it's funny you're talking about like the tabernacle and, and, uh, and, and that whole, uh, God orchestrating things that way, because that's, that's what I think about a lot also when it comes to, when it comes to art. So there's this book also by Francis Schaeffer, um, who wrote, you know, I always get it mixed. I always get the words mixed up, but how I should we then live? Yes. Right? How should we I then th- live? That's what I have written down. Okay. So okay. Yeah. We're, we're, we're just, if we're wrong, we're both going to be wrong together. <laughs> there you go. We're in this, 
together. Um, so he, he wrote just this tiny little book. I think it was like two essays. Like it's really short, but this book that's called art and the Bible, it's really simple. And, um, it, one of the things I I'm currently actually, I, I give that to everyone on my tech team at work, um, so that they would, you know, just catch a vision of, of, of the importance that God places on art and how that relates to tech. But anyways, um, it, one of the things that he talks about in that book and in just the very beginning of that book is the creation of the temple and what God actually commands for there to be inside the temple. So there are things like, um, like statues of, of angels where you have to stop and pause and be like, well, how, how did they know what angels look like? Like how, how would they have even created a, a physical representation of these angels and um, things like, the um and i don't know if this was his phrase but it's something that just pops into my mind is just the gratuitous beauty inside of the temple where god commands that there are things in the temple that um don't have a utilitarian purpose so things like pomegranates that are um that are sculpted in in just as decoration within the room and, and things like um, well, the pomegranates, one of the things that he brings out that I hadn't really realized is that God commands them to be blue. And I know that's kind of strange, but you think about it and blue palm- pomegranates are not something that naturally occurs just in nature. Um, so he, he's actually commanding him. He's actually commanding that there be artwork that is not just representational of something that is naturally occurring, but that goes beyond the natural occurrence for the sake of beauty. So Hmm. anyways, um, those are just some thoughts that are like swirling in my mind. When we talk about artwork, um, I do. And and actually one of the reasons that I I love this topic and I love thinking about it is that I do think that um, especially in the reformed persuasion that artwork can be put down, um, that it, that it doesn't have its proper place within the, um, within the just ideas of, of, of we tend to be more utilitarian, you know, especially if you're a very logical person, you can, you can kind of think in terms of what is the most efficient and what is the most, what will get me from point A to point B, the, the quickest and the easiest and things like that. And, and art is not that way. Art is sloppy (laughs) Um, and and inefficient. Um, and and it has like like we mentioned earlier, it has different people react to it differently, and so it takes on an entire um, personal element to it that uh, you don't get from a spoon, you know, something that was just created to do one job and not uh, have any uh, innate beauty or artwork that's put into that. Innately, you you can have an ornate spoon if you want to, but I'm just saying, <laughs> uh, yeah, you're, yeah. you're normal. So. Anyways, uh, those are, those are some of my thoughts on just artwork in general. Um, and then as we relay that into the medium of video games, I agree there are, uh, you know, you talked about shadow of the Colossus that you can have these, um, games that, that evoke in you emotion and have you really think through, um, what the game is trying to say. So, so there are two different ways that, that I can, that come to mind when I'm thinking through this is like, you know, we mentioned a couple episodes ago that I, I think one of the the great things about video game stories that that 
um, is, is a great opportunity to bring out in a story like that are the characterizations um, and the real character moments within the stories because you spend so much time with these characters in a lot of narrative-focused games that you get connected to that. More so than even the plot, the characters are what really stands through. And so it gives you this opportunity to um, to really connect. Um, I haven't played it, but I've heard something like The Last of Us really does that well. Um, where it presents certain dilemmas that you have to that you have to go through with the characters. Um, I fall back a lot on Final Fantasy VI and the way that those characters relate to each other and and the the world that they're placed in and things like that. So I I do think that there are transcendent moments that you are engaging in that you are actually um, a part of because of the ability of interaction within the medium of video games. Um, so I definitely think there there there's a correlation there of artwork and then video games being a medium for that artwork. Um, in light of the other book that that we were talking about by Francis Schaeffer, um, it's made me think a lot about worldview and how that's communicated in everything. I, I don't mean to be too out there, but just how um, a lot of especially especially media has a specific worldview that it's coming from um so it's 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 making me it's just a personal side it's making me kind of question like when people are saying that um certain things shouldn't uh talk about sort of worldview issues or you know this shouldn't be a part of this medium and it kind of makes me question like well i i think everything kind of shows a worldview behind it and so it's difficult for me to even understand why you would drain that like it should be black and white and it shouldn't have um these underlying themes behind it i i'm starting to think that everything kind of comes with a uh with a world view behind it and so i think especially when you're telling stories you have that as well you have this assumed kind of world view um and that's one of the things about exegesis of the bible is to attempt to have that same um, worldview that the author of scripture had as well, you know, in order to understand what he's saying. Anyways, that's an aside, uh, but just to say that I think that worldview, like I had mentioned when talking about the story of uh, Shin Megami Tensei, the Strange Journey game that I was playing, is that I think it has that worldview and it expresses it in different ways by kind of leading you and guiding you and, and asking questions about, oh, would it really be right and just if God were to um, brainwash all of humanity, or would, could you see Lucifer's side to the story of um, wanting to mm. rebel against a god like that? You know, something something like uh, Milton's Paradise Lost, kind of bringing up those issues. Um, so I think there are even places of worldview that come from video games, and I'm talking about a lot of story-driven video games. I don't think that necessarily has to be. Um, the, that's not the only value that video games have, um, but that's where my my brain is processing these things as we're talking about um, the importance of the art form. Um, it brings me to, I guess the story is kind of the easiest for me to grasp. Um, that said... Yeah, those are, those are like the sort, in, in some ways, like the story and characters, like character development are sort of like the two easiest sort of like entry points mm-hmm. to like hit, so... Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, you don't. Yeah, 
Don't apologize for that. <laughs> well, I, I just mean, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like those are the only things that are worth, uh, mm-hmm. that, that do that. Because I do think, uh, again, kind of referencing our, our older episodes is something like game feel and mechanics actually plays a big part. Even music plays a big part in engaging you as a player and, and having yeah. you enter into that world and having it when it has a certain feel, you know, super Metroid has a very atmospheric feel to it. Why is that? I mean, we can, we can break down the science behind that. If you want to spend a few hours doing that or, you know, however long it's going to take, um, or you could just play the game for 15 minutes and, and it, it transports you to this world where you feel alone and you feel that, um, the world is not on your side and, and, um, that, that type of communication isn't something that's conveyed through. I mean, the story of Super Metroid is not is not very complex, right? Yeah. But the feeling it gives you when you play that game communicates something as well. Um, so I think there is there is uh, an art form to creating an experience like that. Well, I think like it and sort of even again, just sort of we, we talked about a little bit, you know, a couple episodes ago, maybe. Um, but Journey, mm-hmm. Journey is one of those games where, like, you know, you aren't hooked in there because of the character or the sprite that you, you know, you're you're manipulating. And the story is kind of like vague and ambiguous and just kind of weird. Um, and so, but it is that that game does a tremendous job of like evoking certain emotions in people and sort of putting you in these these sort of these positions and these places that you wouldn't otherwise be in. And it's, uh, and, and so, yeah, like I, I definitely think like, and th- that, that game's like a lot harder to quantify in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um, because it's just like, it's, yeah, it's like you could, we could try and sort of like talk about like, Oh, well, this is what creates X, Y, and Z or, you know, you could just look at somebody and say, go, go play it for an hour. Yeah. And then, you know, we'll, we can talk about it. Um, totally. Yeah. And I, I don't mean to go too far off base with this because like just making it all about games as art. Um, but I think, I think it's, it's helpful to at least have that in the background when we're talking about it, because like you said, I mean, with questions like, should art be preserved? Um, you do, I mean, first you do have to make a case for, for video games as art, but then, um, what about that artwork? requires preservation if that makes any sense Mm. um and i think video games are are interesting it's an it's an interesting thing to talk about in in the realm of video games simply because video games are a for-profit business right Mm -hmm. i mean not very many people get into video games for the sake of uh for expression if that makes sense like purely for expression but it is a career it's not you know like people can paint on the side they can have it as a hobby there aren't that many video game designer hobbyists um well i think too like you know we and just sort of like this is an observation and i can't remember the name of the guy he was like some dutch painter and all he did was paint tulips but like okay. he was destitute. But like the thing is, he just wanted to make money off of his paintings. Okay. Um. And I remember, and it's like, 
you know, we sort of want to like paint in very altruistic, very sort of like romantic light sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, just like anybody else. And, and there are people who, who paint or write music and they just do it to, to solely embrace like their expression and their, you, you know, that, that, that sort of that, that more creative bend. Mm-hmm. But like the reality is like, you know, some of them can be pretty mercenary, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. some of that like and, you know, and and there's nothing wrong with sort of saying like, well, I made this thing and it's worth money and I want to live and I want right. to eat. And so I just um, actually just listened to an interview with uh, Henry Rollins. And that okay. is weird. Um, and he was talking about his days with uh, I guess it was Black Flag, I yeah. think that he mm-hmm. was the. And uh, it's, I haven't listened to any Black Flag in years. Mm -hmm. So, um, but he was just talking about like, uh, even a lot of his like motivation in the the band's motivation in making that music wasn't like this high minded, like artistic, like political expression. Mm -hmm. It was like, we got to eat. Yeah. (laughs) And like, (laughs) this is like, so, I mean, they they were like making, I mean, like they were working side jobs, but like, these dudes really in some ways, and it's not to say that they weren't being creative in that as well, right. but they were also like, there was that very practical thing. It's like, yo, you know, he talks, he talks in this interview, he talks, um, he talks about how like the first time he did like a speaking gig, it was like this thing where this place would do an open mic and the, the club owner, you know, and he would go down there with one of the guys from the band who would actually do this thing and they would pay you five minutes, five bucks for five minutes. You know, and okay. they just invite people, you know, and the, the owner looked at Rollins and said, hey, you talk a lot. You talk. All right. Get up on there. <laughs> and he, uh, he was like, you're going to give me five bucks to talk for five minutes. And that's and, and he just like and that was sort of like the start and that sort of and I've read a couple of his books and okay. I've, I've listened to some of his spoken word stuff. Uh, he's he's really out there. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I could recommend him mm-hmm. in good conscience, but it's like you know, he's got a gift and like the dude's driven and, you know, he's even, like, even when he talks about some of his creative endeavors, it's just like, it's just, it's very like, it's not as altruistic as like people want to paint it. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. and so we just, we, we need to sort of, I think, avoid at times sort of being like, oh, it's, yeah. L- yeah. Like the introduction of money into the equation is evil, like automatically yeah. makes it less. Yeah. No, I, I agree, um, but within the conversation of preservation, uh, where I was taking it is that often because the end goal is to make money, um, preservation isn't valued because you can't put a dollar sign on history, you know, like you can't, you can't sell, um, an old video game for the sake of research. Does that make sense? Like video games are purchased when they're at release and for as long as they're on the market. Like it's not, um, the publisher does not care about a 20 year old video game unless they see that it'll sell right now. Like preservation is not, is not valued to them. If that makes any sense. No. And that's, that's absolutely sort of echoed. Um, I'm, I'm sort of jumping ahead a little bit. One of the, I wanted to turn people on. Like I, I did actually a little bit of listening to other podcasts yeah. and sort of like I read read a little bit about games preservation stuff because I'm not as knowledgeable in that topic. Like a lot of where I'm just like 
you know, it's not like I'm talking completely out of my rear end. <laughs> I'm just mostly out of my rear end. Yeah, you know? <laughs> like one I, cheek. I'm yeah, I went, but I wanted to be a that, that dude. It's fine. And this is stuff that I'm sort of interested in, but I can't say that like, oh, like no, I'm I'm totally like down for this and and in mm-hmm. it to win it. But um, there's a guy named Frank Cifaldi. Yep. I think um, he's the name that just kept coming up. Uh, he used to do uh, stuff with lostlevels.org, mm-hmm. and um, I, I don't know if that site's super active. When I was looking at it, I didn't see any real current posts. And that stuff's about, like, games that never got made, um, and it's interesting. It's sort of like a games history stuff. And, you know, and the next thing, gamehistory.org is his other website. And it's like the game Video Game Preservation Society or something yeah. like that. I just signed up for the newsletter today. Um but there, you know, he he showed up in in a couple different episodes of podcasts I listened to. He showed up on Retronauts and a couple of them. Okay, um, I I I have, I think he showed up in episodes sixty two and seventy six. Yep. Um, I, I have three three Retronauts episodes I wanted to bring up because the other one was episode forty one, and this is sort of talking more about the back end about preservation and emulation and stuff like that. But the guys. It's an interview with the guys who did the Mega Man Legacy collection. Oh yeah, um, and the way they talked to um, I you know, and I'm not, and again, I'm not going to do like an in depth dive on that stuff. Like if if people are interested, like you know, we'll throw out links or you know, they can just actually just take a second and jot it down mm-hmm. <laughs> and like yeah. you know, go find it on a podcatcher. But um, yeah, uh, Retronauts episodes 41, 62, and 76. 41, I think, is the Mega Man Legacy stuff. And then 62 and 76, one of them is about uh, high-fidelity classic gaming, and then one of them is more explicitly about the game's preservation stuff. But I think 62 nice. and 76 both have Frank's faulty. And then he was in a, an episode of a podcast I was listening to a little bit earlier today called Back in My Play, which I like that name. Nice. Um, but he was on episode 99 and just talking about like the uh, games preservation stuff on that. Uh, and so uh, it was pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, th- that's a dude definitely, I think, worth looking at. Uh, but so now that and, and I'll, I'll come back and, and hit all that stuff again at the end of the day. But like, you know, if somebody's really interested in looking at some of the preservation more in depth in some of this preservation conversation stuff. Like that's a, I think a really good place to start mm-hmm. um, with that stuff. Um, yeah. So we're gonna move into sort of the 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 second half of this topic, mm-hmm. which is talking about preservation, um, the different ways it sort of happens. Um, what about dubious means of preservation? What's the standard? Should every game be saved or preserved? Yeah, um, and sort of like that that. The means of acquisition question, I don't have like a great answer to that one. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I don't think you should be stealing. Right. Um, but I, th- I think a lot of times, like, you know, and we sort of talked about Little Samson, I think, last episode, and how that game just, you know, I think, th- and from what I hear, that's a really good game, and so it mm-hmm. probably, in some way, deserves to be remembered and preserved for, you know, for for other pe- for game design people, you know, for people who 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 take this craft seriously, 
for them to look back on and, and sort of maybe learn some of the lessons from the, the creators and designers of that game. Um, so, you know, you know, the fact that, you know, ROMs exist for that game, I, I don't feel like, and, and that they sort of get passed around, whatever. Um, and mm-hmm. even, so, well, and sort of touching back that, listening to that, uh, some, one of the interviews with Frank Cifaldi, he was, he was sort of talking about how, like, you know, it's not just about, like, acquiring ROMs. Like, a lot of times they look for, like, legit, and they're able to tell through, like, different, like, data stamps and stuff like you know some of that that conversation got really technical mm-hmm. and i i was kind of like you know oh, okay <laughs> you know because you know I, i'm a mailman from western pennsylvania um and, it, and i'm an art school dropout and i know very little about coding and mm-hmm. sort of that sort of stuff but um you yeah. know what what are you, I guess what are your thoughts when we when we look at these topics? Well, just for a little bit more background, um, the the place where I think it it really kind of muddies the waters, and like I said earlier, is that I I don't think that a lot of the publishers um, really, uh, honestly, maybe this is too harsh, but really care much about preservation in general, um, and so that that makes it difficult because preservation is not something that's done on their like on the creator's end a lot of the time. Um, because when you get the, the product, the finished product, the marketable product, um, it, it, it just honestly deteriorates, you know, video games haven't been around long enough to where we've seen like mass, uh, old games that are just no longer usable at all. Um, but you see, even with old, uh, with old hardware, like old NES systems that the pins get messed up. And so it's hard to read things. But I mean, things like the cartridges just going bad, rotting, you know, the data on the cartridges going bad. Um, Disc rot is a thing as well. Again, it's not like it's not like discs have been around long enough to where it's it's a huge issue right now. But potentially in the future, you know, you could have an entire PlayStation collection that's no longer usable because the disc is just worn out. Um, So so there are issues like that. I think there are other issues of games you know, you mentioned Little Samson, but there are also games that were specifically created for a time and place um, that can't be preserved for other reasons. And, and some of the things that come to mind are like the um, broadcast satellite games on the Super Famicom. If you know anything about those, it was um, you basically buy the system as a broadcast satellite. So it's a BS system that you plug into your Super Famicom, and I believe it was over the internet, and it was basically like a radio show where you downloaded the game onto your system, and um, at a certain time, so 3 p.m. on Friday, you're all going to play this version of Zelda, where the radio announcer is going to say, you know, what item you need to get, and so you search around this, this new, like, Zelda world, or at least these levels, obviously they were all smaller games, um, and you know, you have an hour to play cause after that, the broadcast is going to end. And, and so there are games like that, which, um, it can't really be preserved because it was for a specific time and place. Um, but you can take the, you can find a way to, to get the ROM of that game, even though it's not exactly the same and kind of recreate the same sort of idea. Um, now that, 
that's a you can take that back to the entire conversation that we just had about well is that really worth preserving um and for what reason and and you can go down a road with that but there there are games like that the other one that i just want to mention is um which was really funny to me because this is a very popular game the original code for kingdom hearts was lost by square enix um so mm. the uh the create i believe it was nomura who said that um, for the HD collection, they actually had to recreate a lot of that game's code because they had just lost the code from the original game, which is just like absolutely insane to me. Because you'd think for how huge a series like Kingdom Hearts is that like you would keep the original code under lock and key. But for one reason or another, you know, whether it was Square Enix or whoever, uh, whatever team was on that, they, they lost the original code and they had to recreate it in order to re-release the game. And uh, I think that just goes to show how like easy it is to to lose things on that end. Um, so the reason that I bring that stuff up is just because of if we're if we're talking about why games should be preserved, and then and then we go into this this um, portion of how should games be preserved. So so one of the questions that we start out with is what about these kind of sketchy means of preservation, i.e., ROMs, ISOs, images, and things like that. Um, and I, you know, I'm not, obviously if you haven't listened to the last episode, I'm not staunchly against ROMs. I do. I, I don't think that there's an issue with it unless you are stealing. Um, if it is a game that, that is not currently available on the market, I don't have a big problem with that. And you can, you can listen to last time's episode. Um, if you want to hear some more of my thought process on that. Um, but I think, uh, when it comes to preservation, so it's it's interesting because I think that this can be kind of a loophole for people who do just want to steal, you know, for people who they, they can say under the guise of preservation that they want a copy of every game ever um, when really, you know, in your heart, like it's just because you want, you know, you want that collection of games or you want to play, you know, games that you, you don't want to pay for or something like that. And you want them in a different medium. So, so discounting that, there, there's that, and that's something that you have to, you have to look into your heart and see if if that's what you're you're attempting to do. Um, sketchy means of preservation, i.e., ROMs. I I don't necessarily if it is truly for the sake of preservation. I don't know that I really have a, a take issue with it, um, in the sense that. So like we think of a different medium like a painting. Um is it wrong to snap a picture with your phone of a painting? Um it's I mean it's not the original painting. It, it it's just interesting to think about it in terms of why you are attempting to preserve it and why you why you you want it because it's difficult in light of these different things that have come up. Um, to imagine why or how it's being preserved in a different manner. You brought up Frank Cifaldi, and I know he um, he has that video game preservation, um, that, or what was the society? I, I don't remember what it was called. Uh, but it's... he has that entire organization that's dedicated to preservation. And so, um, I, mean, I mean, I think that is a, that's a great way to do it, is to have like an organization kind of standardizing something like that. Um, and that that will help to kind of quell 
this entire question of should you use sketchy means in order to do it? Well, if you can point to a group that is actually doing it and that can do it in a way that uh, it doesn't have to be sketchy, like they are above board, like, yes, we have ROMs of all these games for the sake of preservation. If, if that is a recognized um, association amongst you know video game developers and publishers and things like that, I think that is the best way of doing it. Um, but I mean, say it's just a game that you have fond feelings for when you were a kid or something that you want to learn from in, in that context. Um, I would be, I would be hard pressed to say that if it's not readily available in some other method, um, I would be hard pressed to say that, that I don't know that I would take issue with that means of preservation personally. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a sort of nuanced question, you know, it, because I, I think the reality is, and, and you sort of alluded to this earlier, but it really depends on motive. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and again, there's a lot of people who probably will sort of say, well, I'm interested in preservation. It's like, no, you're not, you're just going to be in a yeah. cheap jerk. So I'll you torrent know? all of, you know, the NES library. <laughs> yeah. And it's, I mean, um, yeah, it, it's just one of those things, like, I don't want to sort of, like, you know, throw the book at anyone or sort of come down super hard because, you know, I believe that you know, we, we need to just sort of be willing to give each other, other people, the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, it, I mean, the reality is that there are going to be people who abuse this stuff. And, 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 I, and I just, like I said, I'm sort of, I'm just sort of getting into this my looking at some of this stuff myself mm-hmm. and this is you know this is a, a topic that interests me because i do sort of land in the games as art camp you know i i you know i, I i'm very quick to say not every video game is is art just like not every movie is art just like not every book is art um and you know it, i think like one of the things that does sort of muddy the waters here is and you brought it up, this is a very commercial sort of experience. This is a very commercial expression. And it is very entertainment-oriented. Like, a a lot of times we play games for fun. And that kind of just, I don't want to say throws um, a wrench in the gears or whatever, but it does, you know, it's not, this this isn't as cut and dry as, as I'd like it to be. And I think, like, the thing is, like, you know, sometimes, and again, some of it I have to just come back to and say, like, you know, ultimately, like, you know, the the, the ultimate outworking is, like, you know, God is sovereign. And so what he mm-hmm. wants to be preserved will be preserved, and what he says needs to go is going to go. And so I think, like, you know, sometimes, you know, we want to maybe hold on to things that would better be, we'd be better off letting go of or whatever but yeah i just you, you know i think like if if the so you know and it, and here i am sort of assigning some some sort of altruistic sort of measures and intents here but i'm saying like you know if somebody is legitimately trying to just preserve this stuff for you know the sake of historical context and so that people can look back at this and you know that we have have these things for future generations like, and the only way you can get a hold of it is like through like this sketchy ROM. Okay, 
like I'm not going to bat an eye at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, uh, and and it's just like, but it, it, and it, and again, I just don't think that you know, it's it's one of those things where you know we don't have to experience everything. We right. don't, you know, so we need to, um, and and I guess that's sort of like that kind of so. The, the next question, it sort of leads us into the next question. What is the standard here? And um, I'm actually, before we get too deep into this for a second, I'm going to bring up uh, Philippians 4.8. Now, um, this is not expressly again this is more of an inference type thing this mm-hmm. is not i'm not drawing drawing a one-to-one sort of correlation here this is paul writing the church of philippi but he's saying finally brothers whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is just whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is commendable if there's excellence if there's anything worthy of praise think about these things and I want to say, like, the standard is the best, the things that are noteworthy, the things that are commendable, the things that really encourage and build. And, and you know, and it, I would say, and again, I'm not a professional critic. I'm an art school dropout and I'm a mailman in Western Pennsylvania. So, I mean, this is not sort of like the super authoritative stance, just like there are some things that people would call art that I would look at and say, no. It's not, um, and and I want to, and I as a believer want to use that to sort of inform my position. So, like, you know, uh, um, you know, I I am a huge fan of the, you know, and I I had referenced this in the Era Two Hundred Four podcast I did with Luke and Mark, you know, a while back. Mm-hmm. I said like I'm a fan of impressionism. Uh, because I just think it's beautiful. It, it it stirs something in me, and you know I will advocate for that genre uh, probably for as long as I live. I will also advocate for Bill Watterson because I think that every one of those Calvin and Hobbes strips is a masterwork, <laughs> and that dude had a way of sort of sort of tapping into the commendable parts of life, the the sort of the encouraging, the the parts of life and childhood and growing up and adulthood and and wonder and everything else and he had a way of sort of like grabbing us by you know by our our sort of psychological or emotional shirt collars and dragging us into this this thing and sort of evoking things out of us um and i i would say like you know again i don't want to say that like every every game is worth saving um i definitely think like especially when we look at like historical pieces, like I think, you know, stuff that's sort of, you, you have to sort of like include Pong in these, these yeah. lists because that was like, that was the origin. <laughs> um, you know, that, that was the, you know, without that, you know, we don't have, you know, anything that was like where it started. And then, yeah. you, you know, I think you have to include things like, you know the original Mario Super Mario Brothers. I think you have to you you have to sort of like look at some of these things that now we sort of like. I think, and I don't want to sort. And again, like I I think this is this is just one of those questions that like I just don't feel even like closely qualified, like even yeah. like slightly qualified to answer because 
you know, I, I don't think, and, and honestly, I, I'm just not sure that I, I would be very hesitant to trust the guy who told me he did have the answer on this one. <laughs> like he, who said he did have it figured out. I'd be like, uh, well, by their uh, IGN score, duh. No, I'm oh, just kidding. <laughs> no, done, done. We, we, we've solved it. No, no, we got to go Metacritic, <laughs> you know, Metacritic only. Um, but you know, the, the, the short answer to should every game be saved? No, there's some trash out there that I think we would all be better off just like not remembering. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been better off. You, you know, I think of this game, uh, I don't know if you remember it. It was a PC game. It was sort of like one of those, like, uh, like an isometric sort of like top down, not maybe isometric. It was like sort of like a Diablo-esque sort of camera angle, sort of like, okay. like, you know, you're looking down in at an angle yeah. over top, but it was called Postal, and it was just this like okay. sort of like, like, like gory graphic, sort of disturbing, um, basically gore porn. I don't, I don't even know. It was, yeah. but it was like you were just this like you were a mailman who went crazy, and it was just basically you would just kill so you know and i i have feelings about that but it was like <laughs> yeah it was um you know as a kid i remember it was sort of like one of these things that got everybody's attention and everybody wanted to play it because it was just like nasty and kind of like you were just running around murdering people yeah and um and I, and like i said you know a game like that that should probably just be you know sort of consigned to the waste bin of history like we, sh- we should forget crap like that yeah. um but there's other stuff. I mean, like, you know, I, and I sort of have like the ones that I sort of harp on and, and come back to time and time again. But like, I definitely think like Okami, that game is just so freaking beautiful and, and visually striking. Yeah. That like, I, you know, I, I don't want to sort of speak out of turn, but I, I would dare anybody to not play that game for a few hours and not feel something like to to like not i mean i'm not saying you have to love the game but it's like man like visually that game just sort of like tugs at me yeah and 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 and, you know and i've i've you know again i was sort of like you know preach the shadow of the colossus sort of like (laughs) truth here man but like that game there's so many things about like the just the the minimalism and mm-hmm. the the smart design and just the way that it it evokes sort of like loneliness and wonder and melancholy and like all this stuff and then like the way that it just sort of like forces you like I mean when you you know spoiler you start killing the colossi like from the <laughs> very first one like you kind of go like Oh, I I don't know how I, I it kind of makes me feel bad. Yeah. Like and it's like man there are things like that game like you know the the Colossi that fight back it's not that big a deal. You're like no, like I'm going to I'm going to wreck that dude. He's yeah. a jerk, you, you know, <laughs> but but there's ones that just like you're just like they're just minding their own business and you come in and you like shoot them with an arrow and then you crawl around on them and stab them. Yeah. Like, you know, and it's like and I think, like, I think, like, those, you, you know, and I'm, I'm hesitant to bring it up, right? One of the reasons, but I'm going to take, like, a second here to explain some of the reason I don't really like Final Fantasy VII that much. 
much. All right. And this is like not just go. me sort of being a hater. I think so much like when you talked about like games sort of being a product of their time or they really only have a context in a certain time. Man, that Final Fantasy VII does not possess the timelessness that I think some of the other Final Fantasy titles do. I think it is locked into sort of like this 90s, you know, pre-emo, weird, hot topic sort of like culture that, and and I know I'm throwing out all this stuff that maybe in 50 years, if people are listening to this thing, they're going to be like, what the crap is he talking about? (laughs) Is someone going to preserve the podcast for that long? Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. We just got, (laughs) yeah, we just went inception on you. Inception. (laughs) um but yeah like i I just feel like it's one of those games that i think like outside of that sort of like that very specific time period you look at some of the design choices and just like the the overall cast and everything and i'm just like it's so sort of like locked into that that 90s era that i'm kind of like meh you you know the story is fine the characters are fine i just feel like some of like some of that stuff is just too tied to sort of like the ethos of the day, which is just not, you know, in my opinion, worth sort of like rehashing. And and people obviously disagree with me. And that's okay. They're allowed to be wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, even as a game, uh, as, as you're talking about, I think all these games exhibit this, this same kind of um, unquantifiable quantity. Um, but even as a game, like I think Final Fantasy VII it, it did things for the landscape, like it was a product of its time, like you're saying, even just in how it was very cinematic and how that hadn't been seen and how that, like, you can make the argument that it changed the face of gaming yeah, if you sure, want to. Yeah, for sure, for um, sure. But it was, like if that game had come out five years later, it wouldn't have had the impact that it did then. So it definitely, um, it was... Like, like you said, yeah, a product of its time. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, you're talking about Okami and even it's not even just the, the, the visual style, but it's even like the flourishes of how things pop up on screen and, and uh, just like this culmination of, yeah, music and, and style and, and these different flour. It, it just all kind of coalesces into what that game is. And like you said about Shadow of the Colossus, it's the same way of, of how it takes these disparate elements and combines them into something that you just, you, that is tangible when you're experiencing it. Um, that it's, it's more than just the sum of its parts, I guess is mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. Definitely. Um, I think my man, this, this question, my take on it, 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 I think we're in very similar camps of just like, in terms of finding a standard of what needs to be, um, saved. I, I guess the only counterpoint that I would have is that sometimes the middling, the games with middling reception, or I mean, like you said, the colossal failures. But I think there's something that we can perhaps get from that, from a historical standpoint, or from a standpoint of even I'm I'm thinking of like a game designer trying to attempt to create a game. Say, I know Spider-Man's coming out this week, right? But um, mm-hmm. say you were tasked with with creating a Spider-Man game. Well, you'd want to look at previous Spider-Man games and see what they did right and what they did wrong and um, and and learn from those. Even I, I specifically bring up Spider-Man simply because it has so many middling games um, that I mean, there are a ton of Spider-Man games and a lot of them just aren't great. 
a lot of them aren't, aren't terrible, but they're meh. They're, they're games. well, they're solid like B rate games. Yeah, like they're yeah. not great, but yeah. No, I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. So, should those be preserved? I mean, I think there's an instance in which it would be helpful to preserve those. So, I guess that's the only counterpoint that I would kind of submit. Um, I don't have any skin in the game, like you said. Uh, it's not. It's not something to me one way or the other except for maybe my emotional ties to i had a spider-man game on super nintendo uh, i think it was by ljn it was the cartoon the animated series of spider-man on super nintendo and i loved that game because i played it all the time uh, it's an okay game there's nothing really that special about it um but then it, oh, should every game be saved so the only thing that i want to say here is that um so i've i've mentioned earlier is that i think what Cefaldi's doing is super cool i think like that's the way to go in terms of preservation but i've also heard him talk and, and the only reason i call him out is because i've heard him specifically talk about um even going so far as i think i'd mentioned in the last uh, episode as well is like where is the line in terms of revisions of games like what version of the game are you going to save because games are updated constantly nowadays so uh, the original version or is it the the better new improved version of the game um and and should you be benchmarking like should you catalog all of those different versions with their different tweaks i mean super smash brothers for wii u was tweaked to heck you know like splatoon was constantly updated arms um is another game that that well, brought dude, out a ton of updates and look at look it? at like the phenom- the the phenomena of fortnite yeah. That was yeah. a relatively just completely no. That was it. Like nobody was paying attention to that game, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in that save the world mode or whatever, and it's enjoyable or whatever. But like, you know, it was like people were like, kind of like, meh, pass. Yeah. And then it wasn't until like they the they introduced the battle royale mode mm-hmm. that all of a sudden this thing. I mean, it is making like millions of dollars a day. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cultural so, phenomenon for sure. And so it's like, you know, and obviously like something like that, you, you're going to have to sort of, but like, what are you going to, like, how are you going to like preserve that? Like what, yeah, what version of that are you going to preserve? Like yeah. every iteration, every patch, the major patches, because that's a game that constantly is sort of getting like pushed through. Like, yeah, there, there's some like weird, yeah, there's definitely some weirdness there. Yeah, and and that's where I honestly don't have an answer. But my the, the last little bit that I want to say about that is that I've heard Savaldi talk about even video games ephemera, so collecting advertisements in magazines for different games and collecting like packaging and uh, video game store promos and stuff like that. And I understand, I somewhat, I slightly understand as like a cultural phenomenon or as a as getting a picture of like the landscape of what video game development was. I, I, I can see, I can begin to see an argument from that, but like I said, my, I, when he starts talking about that, you know, like going through the trash bins of, of finding these old stuff, I just like my eyes roll back in my head because I just don't care. Um, well, like, I think I think that's in one of those Retronauts episodes. He sort of gets okay. into that. Okay. And yeah. yeah, there's there's a point where I'm like, it's an interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, and like you said, like I can definitely see merit in some of that. But there's also a point where I'm going, 
nah, bro. Yeah. Nah, yeah. Like, like, don't even waste your time. I mean, it's, it's cool. It's, yeah, it's a cool little, like, knickknack if you want it in, you know, your garage or whatever. But, like, it just, I, that's where you completely lose me. And I'm like, I don't see any value in taking the time to, to catalog all of that. So, so really what I'm saying is I don't have an answer. Well, and I think that's, that's, you know, we're we're both sort of going like, meh, like this is like our best, like sort of like swing at it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also sort of, and I didn't have like a good way, but I think even sort of talking about Cephalti and sort of like digging through trash cans and he's talking about preserving all of this stuff. Like, dude, like, you know, and this is something we've talked about before, man, but like, and I understand you know, and it's, I've just been thinking about like, uh, culturally, like how our culture interacts with art and mm-hmm. sort of like, you know, um, this is an area where I think like we are seeing to a certain extent, some idolatry of it with video games there. Like when it's yeah. like people sort of put this thing on a platform where it's like, we must preserve every shred and every, and there's so much stuff that's lost. And again, like, because I have a high view of the sovereignty of God, I'm like, there's a lot of stuff that just gets sort of like lost by the wayside. And that's fine. Like, it's not, yeah. it's not, this stuff isn't like going to, like the, the reality is like, you know, none of this is going to be like that important. Yeah. I don't, I, do you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. You can't take it with you. Yeah. And it's, and it's like, it's, it's, it's definitely interesting to pa- pass on, and, you know, I think too, like, you know, it's an interesting question and I don't, and and this is another question I just don't have an answer for, but like the reality is like, you know, in, in the new kingdom, like, is this stuff really going to matter? Like when, when the kingdom is fully established, you know, and and creation is renewed and Jesus is reigning, you know, not just from afar, but, you know, and the, the, the new physical, you know, I don't I don't want to get too wrapped up in that. Listen, like I, I don't, you know, I know he's reigning and again, he's sovereign, he's God. But I think like that, you know, that's, that's our hope. We're looking forward to the, 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 the final resurrection, yeah. you know, the eternal kingdom. And like, you know, how much of this stuff is really going to carry on into that? And, mm-hmm. and I, I don't have an answer there. You know, it might be one of those things where none of it, Mm-hmm. And then there, there, you know, there might be stuff that we would will surprise us with how much of this stuff, like we will see established in the new kingdom, you yeah. know, yeah, or in the, in the fulfilled kingdom rather, or the kingdom come. I don't, but I don't, I, you, you know, I think like it's it's one of those things. Um, I I just did want to point out, you know, we we're sort of talking about preservation and stuff. I think like you know, as we're one of the things I did really like the Mega Man Legacy Collection interview on Retronauts. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought uh, the the attention to detail that those guys like they really want they were dedicated to recreating the experience of playing that on a Nintendo. Yeah. So like they they said like there are areas where like the the game sort of like bogs down. We in our emulation, you know, the the processor now it's going to burn right through that. Yeah, like it's but in our emulation, we build in those stop gaps. And I was like, that's really I don't know, like things like that. I, I really appreciate like and that's sort of like I think that that commitment to excellence right there is something that we as believers can look at and say like, no, that that's 
that's legit. That's yeah. that's pretty cool. Um, I, you know, I I don't really have too much more to hit on here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So. No, I I think I think that's that's a good. Um, I think we've hit at least the questions that that um, I think were the most pertinent in the original kind of post. That, you know, l- that was posted like a month ago. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, you know, n- n- you know. You know, Wesley can rest easy now because he did tell us like this suspense was going to kill him. Uh-huh. You know, and it's like so, like you know, tomorrow or whenever this posts, you know, he'll be able to, to breathe a sigh of relief and then either like curse us and call us fools, or <laughs> you know, or maybe he'll have all of his answers, all of the answers. No, no, sorry, um, sorry. If you were expecting that, I'm sorry to disappoint Wes. Um, You're a smart so, man. I don't think you expected that. <laughs> well and if you did uh well then we seriously overestimated you um <laughs> uh, no we definitely you know um definitely appreciate that question wes um, yeah yeah this yeah. has been fun like uh th- there's a there's a lot here that i just it's it's good to to consider you know the whole point of the podcast is is to consider more about our our hobby and and how we're using our time poorly sometimes um <laughs> but but this ha- this really has been i i like how uh it, how just all these conversations kind of go in and out it, the whole games as art thing is a huge part of this and i and i just love it this has been good um so I guess, you know, now that we've got this wrapped up, like going into the next couple of weeks, what are your, your goals that you're going to sort of like, try, like, what, I mean, I know we sort of talked about it in the backlog report stuff, but like, mm-hmm. going forward, what are you, what are you thinking? So, like, what's- well, the first thing, it's actually funny. I need to, I need to, now that it's the beginning of a new month, I need to sit down and take a look at, like write out some goals in terms of, of what I want to do. So, so the things that I've committed to, obviously the, the, um, the book club, the reading club, excuse me, um, the powered up book. I want to make sure that I can get through that this month. So I need to kind of divvy up the, and set aside time for that throughout the next few weeks. Um, I, again, but in terms of commitments, like the, the earthbound and legend of Zelda two, I want to put those as high priorities to get them done by the end of the month. Um, but then also I, I feel like a broken record. I still want to, I still want to break this barrier of the first 15 verses in James is really where I want to be. And if I, if I, if I actually, if I actually (laughs) follow through with that, um, I know I can do it. It's just a matter of setting aside the time and being, being diligent in, in like, um, making it a priority as opposed to just kind of like sitting down with it and seeing where it goes. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, no. That so. that's sort of to use some of the Christianese and the the buzzwords, you, you want to be a little more intentional. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's the word. That's the word. Something that I'm not good at in my life. Uh yeah. So so those those are my plans this week of sitting down and just taking a look at at uh kind of mapping those out. Because it always helps me to look at how much time I've got in the month and so how much where I need to be sort of like my benchmarks um, in order to hit my uh, uh, goals. So, Dude, that's a, uh, that's super organized. <laughs> I'm just glad when I can get through the end of the day and uh, 
Well, that's what ends ends up happening is then I get through the end of the day and I'm like, oh, I got 15 minutes. Let's boot up some Hollow Knight. And then three hours later, <sighs> I'm like, I need to go to bed. <laughs> but well, I'm so like, amped. When I told I told you like the first time I played it, I was like, oh, I'll check this out for like 15, 20 minutes. And it was like three hours later. Yeah. I was like, I, I kind of like this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I did that multiple times. <laughs> so... Oh. Um, how about you? What are your goals? Uh, you know, I'm sort of like I'm looking at I'm looking at the list, and it's like I think I think what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna try to like, like as far as games go, I'm gonna try to like you know pound like you know really do some work on Hollow Knight. Um, okay. Instead of like dividing my attention so much, and then after I get so sort of a very similar sort of pattern you know, with you, like, you know, you're a lot closer to beating it, but, um, you know, I, I'd like to finish hollow Knight, and then, uh, I'll probably move on to legend of Zelda too. Uh, as far as reading, um, I need to sort of, I need to finish up. How should we then live? I need to, you know, get a copy of the power up book. Uh, and, and I'll, I can't remember the name of that book. Uh, I, I just know it's power up how gaming changed the West or something like that. Um, it looks interesting. I, I think I had it on my list for a while, and I just haven't pulled the trigger. Nice. Um, and you know, just continuing to work on good and angry, um, and and not just like reading it, but actually trying to implement some of that stuff. Uh, yeah. And then memorization, like I sort of said earlier, for me, uh, yeah, really just carving out that time, saying like, you know, I'm going to set aside a half hour every night or every morning or whatever, uh, and not just sort of substitute that. Or like say, well, I did this, so now now I don't have to do a quiet time. But like in addition yeah. to my devotions and prayers and stuff. Totally. But uh, I I do. Do you have any recommendations or like? Uh, I I had one that was just a, a small little thing. I was just really impressed with kind of the depth that it went into. So whenever I I play a video game, especially ones that I really like, I like to then go um, like watch reviews and see what other people thought of of the games. And I stumbled on a video, um, just this past week about, cause I was looking up like, what was the critical reception of hollow Knight when it first came out? Cause I am just loving it to death. And, um, there was a, a video actually put out by polygon. It looks like, Oh, this was actually just earlier this month. Um, excuse me last month. Cause last month was August. Uh, but it's a video called what makes a great Metroidvania. Um, it's like six minutes long and it just goes into some of the elements of the genre um, that I found was just really uh, concise and really poignant and really interesting, especially because I'm playing through Hollow Knight, how it brings out some of the stuff that it does that really um, it does well because the 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 genre in general, it, it got a, a ton of indie games are Metroid inspired Um and they're not all great, but uh, I think Hollow Knight is one of those great ones. So I think it just gives a, a cool little rundown of the genre, if you dig it. Um, what makes a great Metroidvania by Polygon? I'll throw a link in the description. Cool. How about you? Uh, uh, aside from like lostlevels.org and gamehistory.org, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, and those, those Retronaut episodes that I, I referenced, uh, and then the back of my play. Uh, I did want to throw a couple shout outs. There there were some uh I gotta look here. There were some articles I read. Um 
that I thought were really um, well. One, there's another podcast episode called uh, the the podcast is called A Life Well Wasted, and the mm. the title of the episode is by uh, is called Gotta Catch Them All. And I think uh, let me just look that up real quick. I think the guy who does that. His name is Robert Ashley. He used to work for um, EGM and One Up back in the day. Um, he's a he's a pretty interesting cat, and it's it's one of those things where it's like I I throw it out there. It's like I think it's he doesn't specifically sort of like talk about video games the entire episode. At one point in time, he talks to a dude who restores and like runs like a pinball joint. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's just interesting, and it's sort of like more of like that ephemera stuff. But it, it was interesting, and um, so I'm I'm trying to trying to find it. Yeah, Robert Ashley, um, and he he doesn't do the podcast anymore. He only did like six episodes, so it's not like. But it was interesting, and it's like coming from an insider, um, who's who's kind of he's kind of weird, but I I, okay. I, I like his stuff. Um, Kotaku had an article and you know, it's 90% of the time, like just if I'm being sort of like putting my cards on the table, I think Kotaku is kind of like just cancer. Um, (laughs) But uh, their article in defense of ROMs by Chris Kohler um, is a really good article. Uh, You know, uh, Chris Kohler is one of those guys that for the most part, I don't agree with the vast majority of what he says, but I think like, you know, some of his opinion pieces are, are at least worth reading. And and this one, I think it's like a good sort of entry. Um, NPR wrote an article, and this is like from 2013. So this is a little older. But just talking about some of like the, the more legitimate attempts at like video game preservation. And the article is called Museums Give Video Games Bonus Life, But the Next Level Awaits. And that was written by an April Felling. I don't, I don't know how to, it's F E H L I N G. Um, and then there was a guy that was referenced in, in some of the stuff I was listening to. Uh, it was, it's just called the video games archive and Henry Lowood. Uh, I don't really have too much information. I sort of, he, he's a professor at Stanford, I think. And he's oh, interested wow. in sort of like preserving some of like these last moments, like, like documenting the last moments, like one of the, the, the things, he, and I think that was in that, a life well wasted podcast, but he talks about like, one of his students on this project went into this game, like an online only game and sort of documented the last like hour or day or whatever of the game being live on a server. And just, they talk about how like, you know, some of these online experiences when they go away like sort of how like anti-dramatic it really is anticlimactic. I, it was just, it's, and it's, it's interesting. Um, so that I I threw a bunch of stuff at people. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, you did your research, man. Oh man, uh, you know this is something that like you know it it kind of has some hooks in me, and and it's this will probably be something that comes up with me from time to time because I'm 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 a little interested in this. I'm not I'm not gonna go like retro game only. Ah <laughs> uh, man. Uh, mm. I'll take five seconds and just say that, yeah, it's difficult to do that, especially the, there are a lot of good games coming out, man. There's been oh. some, there's been talk about, there was a new monster hunter game that dropped on switch and I'm like, 
I don't even like Monster Hunter, but do I like this game? Maybe I'll pick it up and I'll like this one. Dude, Monster uh, Hunter is one of those games that gets like every time I buy it or somebody gives me a copy or whatever, I'm like, I'm going to like it this time. Yeah. And then I play it for a while and I'm like, I don't really like it. Yeah. I, I need to well I mean now that I'm now that I'm well versed in in Dark Souls I've heard that it uses a lot of the same kind of conventions okay. and fighting um but in order for me to really jump into it I'd need to have like a gang of people that I play with you know like I've heard multiplayer is kind of the way to play those yeah. games and so then there's the whole uh well you're not going to get a, a group of people together unless you get the game when it at launch and when all the people are playing it and it's it's bad um, or you but, just get a bunch of dudes to just wait on it. Yeah, uh, I guess you could do that if you're really, if you're really smart. Dude, you um, need you I'm need some really charisma smart. bumps right there. <laughs> you need like charisma plus three. There you, you go. Know, there you go. Just charm everybody and say, well, you know, if you guys just wait like five years, I'll buy it. <laughs> well, I'll go in together. Um, and then like uh, Dragon Quest Eleven is coming out this oh, week. Be still and my this, heart. Yeah, I, and it's gotten great reviews so far. So, and then and, of course Spider Man. I don't have a PS4, uh, but that one's coming out. And then this this little indie game dropped that people are freaking out about called The Messenger. Have you seen mm, that? Yeah, it so looks really cool. It Super is. Cool. It is hard to be. Uh, uh, like I said, I'm not very good at being a, a co-host on this podcast. I probably shouldn't. <laughs> do well, this dude. Um, man, the, there's there's some cool stuff coming. They're making out, it. So. They're making it hard for us to not buy stuff. Yeah, yeah. There's so many things, you know, that uh, on my GG app that like popped up today, and I'm like, oh, want to play? Want to play? Want to play? Want to play? Want? To play, want to... Yeah. I just kept going down the list saying, want to play? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Love it. All right, so I guess speaking of GG, uh, people can find you can find us on GG, right? What what's your name on GG? Because I am super on brand or super boring, I will let the listener make that decision. Um, not only can you find me on GG, but I think you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, not Facebook, and G, but but you know pretty much and on PSN, uh, I am. Nate underscore McKeever. Um, Love it. So. And then, yeah, I'm GG and Twitter. It's Broccolope. That's B-R-O-C-C-O-L-O-P-E. Uh, Broccolope. I know it's weird, but mm. it, it is what it is. Um, if Or you can, uh, if I could just talk, you can email. Ah, the mush mouth has passed from no. me to you. Um, if you disagree with anything we talked about, if you think we're just complete idiots, send us an email. Let us know. Um, we want to ingest your hatred. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I mean, but, we'll, we'll read it and we'll dismiss you for the, you know, the plebe that you are. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> Because uh, we are, we have all these all answers. All the answers on the backlog breakdown. We just breaking it down constantly every other week. Um, but yeah, you can email us, uh, Gmail, our address is the backlog breakdown at gmail.com. Of course, you can also reach out to us on the Facebook group where we've got things going on like the, uh, like the, the backlog busters for Zelda two this, this month. Um, the group on Facebook is the hashtag backlog book club. We'd love to have you there. 
Oh, so, so, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try and take us out like NPR style. Like, okay, let's do like, it. I gotta I gotta like yeah, gotta yeah, juke my glasses there around. You go. Thank you for your time, dear listener. I hope that you'll be uh I hope that you'll join me next time as we talk about whatever we're gonna talk about. Um until then, hashtag backlogs and finances. Good night. Farewell and good day.